Welcome back, everyone, to SEL Convergence. It's been a little while since uh, you heard from us, but we've got some exciting stuff going on. The last time that we put something out, we were talking about uh, unicorns, more or less. So if you have no idea what I'm talking about, then you're on the wrong episode. You might want to jump back just a little bit. But to make a long story short, we were talking about the narratives of the people who live SEL every day. So I'm really excited to be back with Tom today. Hey, Michael. And Tom's going to actually introduce us to two very special people to us who are going to walk us a little bit through about what SEL has been like for them. And we're hoping that sharing this story is going to give the listeners out there a little bit of context and also a little bit of inspiration for what you might be doing out there in your world. It's been my privilege for the past 20 years to be involved in the Pennsylvania Masonic Life Skills Conference. And we are coming to you live from that conference now. We are in our second day. And with me today are two of our facilitators, Seth DeWicki and Kiana Morris. Uh, not only are they facilitators of our program, which this week has 110 students from all over the region, but they also have come up in this program as participants. So when we talk about social-emotional learning, uh, social-emotional learning is embedded in everything we do here in the Life Skills Conference. Respect for self and others, sense of responsibility for everything we think, feel, say, and do, and then how do we go about the business of creating healthy relationships. So, uh, Kian, I'm going to ask you to start. Uh, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about how you came to this conference and what your initial experience was. So, I came to this conference when I was 15, um, is when I started out, and I was terrified. I had no idea what was going on. I, I had no idea what I was walking into, and then I got here, and then I saw the environment, and the environment was just so welcoming, and everybody was ready to welcome you in. Mm. Everybody was ready to have you experience this unbelievable thing that they've already gone through. Um, so I went through it, and after, the fir- after my first week, mm. I kind of was just like, I need to do this again. And I've been back here. This is my fifth year now. Wonderful. So, so uh, listeners, most of us are educators that listen to this podcast Kiana talks about being welcomed. So we want to remember that when we're promoting social-emotional learning, and particularly social-emotional learning integrated into our curriculum content, what are we doing the first day or two of school to welcome our students in? What kind of environment are we creating? A welcoming, respectful, loving environment. Seth, could you talk a little bit about your initial experience well as well and how you came to be here? Absolutely. So I actually came to Life Skills when I was 12. And I was very unsure as to what to expect um, coming into the conference. I remember being very thrown off guard my first day just because I had never experienced an environment where there were kids my age, yet I felt respected and valued Mm. and honestly just very safe. Mm. So this was really kind of the first place that I felt those things um, with people my own age as well as from adults. So, you know wanting to keep coming back and to give back to the conference that gave so much to me. This is now my ninth year, I believe, with the conference. So, so Seth, uh, you mentioned an important factor that is critical to our listeners and critical to our schools and critical to children being successful in our skills, safety. 
So would, would both of you speak a little bit about emotional safety and, and how that happens here, how it happened for you, and now as facilitators, how are you trying to help that happen with your participants? Absolutely. So I believe that emotional safety always starts with connection and developing a healthy relationship with the person that you're trying to keep emotionally safe. Um, I remember coming here and all of the facilitators as well as, as, well as the students that have been here before, um, they were all very welcoming. They wanted to know my name, wanted to know what I was about. Um, and it seemed very genuine and that, allowed, that established that trust in between us mm -hmm. and then which allowed me to feel emotionally safe in this environment. So being here as a facilitator, I try to kind of emulate that same, or I guess, you know, try to establish that same connection mm -hmm. with the students that are here mm -hmm. and with my students, um, just to keep them emotionally safe as well. Thank you. Kiana? I remember a lot of uh, us trying to, to figure out how to be that emotional safety, because I, especially it was my first year, I wasn't sure where that started, where it ended, what mm -hmm. was in between that, the kind of gray area. Mm -hmm. And I remember a lot of, you know, my FITs and my facilitators being there and making those relationships and then also making sure that we were, they were enforcing the rules mm. to keep us safe emotionally. Mm -hmm. And they were always doing that. And I think that's what I've brought with me mm -hmm. is consistently trying to make that relationship, trying to make that trust that Seth talks about. But at the same time, still laying down the law and making sure that everybody's keeping safe and keeping their boundaries. So you, you talked about rules. And, and we all know here, and we've talked about this in previous podcasts, Mike, about our full value contract. So our, our core philosophy to keep folks safe. As facilitators today of uh, 12 to 18-year-olds that are here with us, what are some key concepts from that full value contract that you find yourself, for example, in this conference, in day two, really emphasizing to ensure the emotional safety of your participants? So for me, the, for day two, it's a lot of the give and receive honest feedback. So we're still trying to, we're trying to push them to give more feedback and be more specific. Whereas mm -hmm. yesterday we were doing that, but we were a little lenient on it. And today we're really pushing that and trying to give that feedback, mm -hmm. in which case then they're going to be able to make better connections mm -hmm. in the coming days. Thanks, Kiana. Seth? Definitely um, speaking on the feedback part, allowing them to give you, you know, giving them the means to give each other honest feedback, mm -hmm. as well as, you know, you being the facilitator, giving them that honest feedback as right. well. Um, and then speaking further, in past years, a lot of the times, groups may kind of get started off on the wrong foot. So speaking towards the, you know, the part of the full-value contract that says to just let things go sometimes right. and um, to keep yourself emotionally safe as well mm -hmm. as those around you, I think is also very important. So you both, for me, just mentioned two critical pieces of the full-value contract, the idea of feedback. And when we talk to our educator friends, we talk about specific, descriptive, observable behavioral feedback. So as I had the privileged to visit a group today, uh, I heard folks saying to their facilitators, well, we communicated well. And of course, you, those of you know that I would explore that and say, well, what specifically did you do well that was positive communication? And then it, following that, there ensued a 15-minute conversation with great specificity. 
To, so to help our children back in school, in the classroom, and to help our participants here, the more specificity we can offer, the more they can repeat that behavior, if it's positive, or curtail or stop a behavior that, that, is, that is hampering the growth process. So, Mike, you're also one of my facilitators here in helping us lead this entire conference now. As a special educator in Wissickon School District and as, as a dedicated teacher, uh, what are some things that you see happening here that directly relate back to the classroom at a highly functioning school? So I think one of the underlining progressions that happens here at Life Skills that goes straight back to schools is the order in which things happen. I think that people are very, very complicated creatures, but I think groups of people can be very, very simple. It's pretty predictable what a group of people will do. It's hard to predict what an individual will do. Mm. So we have our groups here at Life Skills. We have our classes of students back at school. And when you have those groupings of kids, it's important to remember that the things that get us excited, like building that language and building understanding so that our students, our campers, our conferees can build those meaningful connections with what's happening and then also with other, that each other, that's not what happens first. Mm. What happens first is you build your environment, you build your climate, then your culture, and you provide an open invitation. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is you kind of wait. Mm -hmm. And you keep providing those opportunities until those individuals are ready to step through that door. I have one young man in my group this week who the other facilitators in my group were pretty concerned about. And they're like, hey, you know, Mike, did you, did you notice that? And like, he's pretty quiet. And like, he's got his headphones in. Should we talk about that? And I told him no. Because the invitation is out there, mm -hmm. he knows the door's open, but he hasn't bought into the culture yet. And there's nothing we can do to make that happen for him except continue to be here mm. and provide that consistency and show him those trust actions so that when he's ready, he can step through that door. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times we jump that step because we know it's a safe environment. Mm -hmm. We know it's a place where we can have meaningful connections because we've been through it before. But for him, he's not there yet. And at Life Skills, we don't reach down and pull kids up to where we're at. We go down and meet them where they are. Beautiful. And in schools, I think we have this pressure to kind of get behind everybody and kind of push them along. Yeah. So I see it in both the school and life skills, and we're just very, very fortunate and blessed here that mm -hmm. we're able to take um, a different perspective mm -hmm. on in what order those things happen. So for Seth and Kiana, Mike was just saying that we create this environment and we make a very welcoming environment. You both talked about that earlier. What, what specifically, uh, yesterday and or today, would be one or two things that each of you have done as facilitators to create that welcoming environment? So one of the, the things that I like to do is I like to give a little bit about me. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that helps others know like, oh, oh, I can tell her things and I can let her know. And as well, having small conversations in between our important conversations. Mm -hmm. You know, before we started our, our trust conversation today, 
I believe our conversation was about what bones we've broken. <laughs> Just that small conversation sure. to show them you can you can talk to me. Right. You can tell me things. And I it's important that they can tell you things. Absolutely. So you are really building relationships. Yes. Thank you. Seth? I would say in addition to that, um, eye contact and a smile goes a really long way. Yes. Um, in addition to just being very friendly, giving you know, a student eye contact shows that you respect them, and very often that respect will then be mirrored back. Wonderful. Wonderful. So today, we began what we all refer to as problem-solving initiatives. A lot of the early work of team building and welcoming was done yesterday afternoon and last night, and this morning we had some deep conversation around the issues of perspective and understanding, leading later in the week to uh, compassion and empathy. But today, this afternoon, around trust building, and this, this, this evening, before we got here to this podcast session, uh, really putting children through problem-solving sessions. What are some of the things you, you saw today in your activities? Um, I mean, definitely team building. <laughs> um, you know, groups working really hard together, a lot of very strong leaders sometimes battling to gain control of the conversation. Right. Um, so, you know, that leads to a lot of conversations and about communication and mm -hmm. how to communicate um, amongst a group of very strong leaders. Mm -hmm. I would say with our group, we saw a lot of excitement that led into frustration. Oh, tell us about that. They weren't, everybody was trying to communicate, but nobody was listening. Mm. Everybody was talking but no one was listening. Okay. So they were trying to go through these initiatives while everybody's talking and being really excited for the initiative, but at the same time, no one's listening. Yeah. So a couple of times we kind of had to call them back and say, you know, hey, let's do a circle and talk about this mm -hmm. one by one. I think mm -hmm. at one point we even had a, a talking cone. It was like a talking stick, sure. but like we had talking cone because they were just right. so excited that they, right. they couldn't stop. So you imagine, you're using a management tool? Yeah. 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 So, so uh, Mike, as you listen to Seth and Kiana, what does that look like in a school? People vying for that time to communicate. Yeah, it looks like uh, we had just passed the polite stage. <laughs> okay. Um, where everyone's coming in, it's fresh, they're a little bit guarded, they want to make a good first impression. And then they start to let that personality out and see where their individuality fits into the picture. And I think uh, I smiled when I heard about the talking cone because one of the things that we do really well here at Life Skills is we facilitate. Mm -hmm. We're facilitators. Mm -hmm. And with that model, in my mind, it gives me the role of being the person who's providing just enough support to produce productive struggle mm -hmm. in my group. So what do they need to be able to move forward in a productive and challenging way? Mm -hmm. And I think when teachers do that in a school, they're able to help put up the guards and set up a framework so that those students can let that individuality out and determine their own roles within mm -hmm. the group. So you're telling us that within boundaries, within healthy boundaries, I can be the best version of myself. Absolutely. So why are those boundaries so important for that? The boundaries are important because 
one thing that a facilitator or a teacher provides is an environment. And the teacher does know how the classroom operates and what needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So they're the best person to set those boundaries Mm -hmm. and let the students work within them to be successful. Wonderful. One of the pleasures that we have here that doesn't exist in every classroom, and maybe not any classrooms, is we have three facilitators for every group of 12 or 13 students. That's rare, if not completely unheard of in school systems today. So how do you work together as a facilitation team? Seth and Kiana, you're actually on the same team this year. Yes, we are. Yes. How do you work together as facilitators? How do you not get in each other's way? <laughs> um, definitely communication. Today we met a half hour before the students came for breakfast, and we kind of you know, went through our schedule for the day, um, figured out what was going to be coming up next, and just you know, what our rules would be. Um, and then I think just definitely like a split of responsibility there's really we don't have any roles for ourselves we don't have any names for our roles nice and um we just try to you know attack issues as a team (laughs) i really appreciate hearing that there's no roles there's no hierarchy you're an equal facilitation team i really appreciate that kiana i do agree with that we we don't really have a hierarchy we're very we talk a lot and make sure that we all know you know hey i want to can i lead this can i lead this and even when we are leading, of course, it's always good for, if I miss something, Seth's there. And right. Seth adds mm-hmm. something in there to facilitate right. that conversation. Right. And same thing with our, our third, Amanda. Mm-hmm. She does the same exact thing. Wonderful. So five years ago, nine years ago, mm-hmm. what, as participants, in your initial week process, really kind of lit you up like you and 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 that was like wow i think i want to do this i want to be a part of this i want to come back to this can you remember anything i definitely remember going through the week and kind of seeing how the team dynamic shifted throughout the week mm-hmm. kind of going into it, especially my first year going into it no you know as a 12 year old that's the youngest that you can be coming yeah. to life skills yeah so for everyone in my group it was basically their first time here no one really knew what to expect um so you know in the first couple of days people were a little bit unsure but as we went throughout the week and we went through the initiatives and we did the ropes course mm-hmm. on thursday right um by the time we hit friday we loved each other like we were siblings <laughs> Beautiful. and you know so just seeing that team dynamic shift and everyone was so excited when we completed each initiative. And um, it just seemed like as we went through every day, our bond got stronger. Mm-hmm. I knew that I wanted to come back the next year. Yeah. Uh, I want to hear from Kiana, but I want you to come back to that, that we loved each other. And, and that happened within a six-day period of time. And Absolutely. I know that's possible because this is my 20th year of, of directing this conference. I also know it's possible because I see it in my graduate courses. I know it's possible because I see it in classrooms like, like with teachers like Mike. How about you, Kiana? I think uh, I'm going to kind of piggyback off mm-hmm. Seth here in that dynamic. But for me, what sticks out the most is the last day. I had never been sad to leave somewhere. Wow. I, that hadn't happened for me. And on that last day, I sat there. And I had to really think, like, wow, I may not see these people until next year. And I may not see these people again until I can drive or until we can figure out some way to connect with each other. Because 
Some of us were from a couple hours away. Yeah. And I just remember not ever feeling that way mm. anywhere else. Mm. And I think that's, that's the moment that I just kind of was like, I need, I need to do it. So you're telling us about a first time in your life experience. Can you put a word on that? An and identifier? You, you felt this on the last day. You felt what? Bittersweet. I guess would be one word to use. Okay. Um, in the sense that I was, I had made loving friends that were now family and like happy to be going home and to actually seeing my family mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. being home again. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't know when I was going to see this yeah. family again. Yeah. So there's some natural feeling of loss. Correct. I'm saying goodbye. Yes. So you mentioned coming back to your family, your, your family of origin. Yes. And Seth, you do the same thing. And you know, I'm blessed to know your mom because she's been through a lot of these programs and actually was in the first master's degree program in social emotional learning. Yes. Yep. I'm, I'm overjoyed about that. So what have not only Kiana and Seth, but Mike, you as well, now a dad, you know? Yeah. Wonderful wife, little beautiful baby girl. What have you brought back specifically from what happens in this Life Skills Conference? What have you brought back to your, your other life, your families, your, your schooling, your work? What have you brought back? Um, so I, I participated in Life Skills, I think the first time was 17 years ago, maybe. Uh, I was 14. and. Um, to not have any better words for it. Like I was kind of an idiot. So I remember (laughs) years, years later, my mom saying like, you know what? You came back from like that life skills thing. And like, you were like a really nice guy for like a week. And then you came back the second year and you were like a really good guy for like two weeks. And it kind of built up a little bit. So I didn't really feel like I was bringing anything back except like I just knew I loved being there. I didn't have the language for it. I didn't really understand it. But other people saw something different in me. And I can't imagine that didn't affect the relationships around me. And the course that it kind of charted for me mm. as a teenager mm-hmm. into, you know, my adult years. Mm-hmm. So I almost didn't really know what was going on. I just knew I really enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. But it was really other people that noticed a difference in okay. me. Okay. And this, please say yes or no. Did the experience of life skills in any way plant a seed for becoming the teacher that you are today? Absolutely. I think... Part of it was the fact that in its, in its infancy, it was educators who were here doing these things. And I immediately made this connection that, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be like these people. I want to be an educator. Mm. And I think that definitely comes from a special place. Mm-hmm. But I also know that having more diversity on our staff now with yeah. professions, backgrounds, perspectives mm-hmm. it really rounds out the rounds out the program yeah and even if i never became an educator i do know that human connection became important to me because of this conference and teaching is a fantastic vehicle for me to have that human connection mm-hmm. and to build that with other people 
but there's so many other walks of life that would benefit immensely from that. Mm. Almost all walks of life. Thank you. Thank you, Mike. Kiana, how about you? What have you brought back consciously? So this conference has, has this thing that it does to me where it reminds me who I want to be. And somehow every single year, it's always right around this time where I kind of need to be here. Mm. Kind of need to remember who I want to be, where I want to go in my life, and things like that. So going back, it obviously affects me because it makes my relationships around me better. It makes the respect that I have for people better. It gives me that want for human connection. Mm-hmm. You know, my job as an EMT, it gets a little stressful, just like every other job. Yeah. And when you're stressed, you kind of just want to seclude yourself. You kind of don't want to be around people. You don't really want to do much. Whereas that's how I was feeling before I got mm-hmm. here. And then I got here and realized, no, this is who I want to be. I want to be the person who's helping and teaching and showing kids, you know, how to be better leaders and, you know, making those human connections. Mm-hmm. And it always just seems to, it lasts me until the next one. And it always just seems to keep me going. Is there any particular connection from the life skills, leadership lessons you've learned here, and now you're facilitating and teaching others, that directly connects to being an EMT? So our, our themes this year, the compassion, perspective, understanding, and empathy, all four of those go right to it for me. Being compassionate enough to care for others. You know, two in the morning, no one wants to get up and take care of somebody. But with that compassion, I can. With that empathy, I am able to go and feel bad for, for somebody who's, who's in pain. Mm-hmm. You know, just because I don't think the pain would be bad for me doesn't mean it's not bad for them. Yeah. And perspective, knowing where people are coming from, seeing it through those different lenses, and just understanding everything, understanding how all of those relate to each other and going back to my job. Thank you. Seth, how about you, taking this back home? Definitely. Um, kind of going back to what Mike said, my mom used to say the same thing to me every year when I would come back uh, as a participant. Um, she would always say, you know, for about a month, you're just this, you know, you're a completely changed kid, and then you kind of start to go back. Um, you know, slowly it just builds and builds over time. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, we, we really focused on three core values I went back when I was a participant before we kind of had these newer values starting to become instilled. And those were uh, respect, responsibility, and relationships. Yes. And those really stuck with me going through uh, junior high and high school. And, you know, they really just allowed me to kind of navigate the different problems or opportunities that I would have um, in those mm-hmm. moments. I definitely think that life skills had a big part to play in kind of my success as to where I am now. Um, now I'm in college. I became involved in a leadership program at school where we're kind of facilitating it's very similar to life skills, but more with college students, and mm-hmm. we fo- focus specifically on, on freshmen. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of the, the lessons that I learned at life skills, I was able to kind of take with me to college to this program. Um, and now I'm planning on going to PA school, and again, I'm planning on taking a lot of the things that I've taken from life skills with me to PA school. Wonderful. And uh, to become a PA. Wonderful. I'm very happy to hear that. Thanks to both of you. Mike, thank you to you. And we need to say quite explicitly, with a, an immense gratitude, thank you to the Masons of Pennsylvania. Uh, they have made the Life Skills Conference 
and all that we do in helping young people understand social emotional learning and understand their leadership skills and helping them find their best selves. They've done this for 20 years now. And 20 years ago, I, I simply and even somewhat naively simply brought an idea. And they said yes. And the, the Masons of Pennsylvania have been saying yes for 20 years. And they provide us this gorgeous facility in Elizabethtown. Uh, I've worked all over North America. I've, I've never been in anything as beautiful as this. And uh, they provide us with incredible financial support, emotional support. And so I'm very grateful to them. I'm very grateful to all of you. And I'm, I'm particularly grateful as we continue to grow. I'm grateful to school systems. Uh, one of my dreams has always been before I'm done my work to make sure that social emotional learning is integrated kindergarten through 12th grade in everything we do in the school districts across North America. And uh, we're making progress every single year. And m year after year, I'm noticing more school districts uh, sending students here. Springford sending 20, Avon Grove sending some, Daniel Boone sending some, uh, and on and on. And, and that's one of my goals for the future of this program. So thank all of you for joining us. Uh, again, listeners, thank you so much. If you're interested in the Life Skills Conference, simply contact me, and I'll be happy to come visit your schools and talk more about it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you, Tom, for Thanks, ending in a place of gratitude. I appreciate that immensely. For everybody out there, if you are just listening to us now, please go ahead and uh, look back at some of the other episodes we've done. There's, mm -hmm. uh, there's some goodies in there. There are good ones. Well, they're all goodies. <laughs> but thank you for listening. And if you have any questions or anything you'd like to know more about, then please reach out to us. Until next time, we'll, uh, we'll see you later. Thank you. <laughs>